Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. We are so excited that you are watching or listening to this content wherever you're at. If you're watching it, why don't you like it? Why don't you subscribe it? Please share it with someone. If you're listening, I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, every time we come on and teach, we're always, always, always hoping to help you mature, grow in your faith, grow in your leadership, grow in your life. And today, I, I want to talk about uh, the subject from dreams to reality, from dreams to reality. I think it's so important that every person lives life with a dream. Every person gets a vision from God. Man, vision is the thing that creates purpose in the midst of pain. You know, life is hard. Life is tough. Life is difficult. But the thing that helps you prevail is having a vision. But man, when I look at my life, I think about all the things in my life that um, I'm celebrating, things I'm happy about from my marriage to my children to the church that we lead. You know, all of it, it's reality today, but it started as a dream. It started as a vision. And today I, I want to try to help you go from dreams to reality. Vision is where it all starts. You know that your eye is the fastest muscle in your body. Eyes are made up of over 2 million working parts. Just think about that. That's powerful. These little eyeballs right here are powerful. 2 million parts helping me see right now. I'm reminded of that verse in Ephesians where Paul, he prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Now, when Paul is praying that prayer in Ephesians, he's not talking about these eyeballs. He's talking about spiritual vision. And what you have to learn is that spiritual vision is just as complex and powerful as physical vision. In fact, I'd go even further. I think spiritual vision is more powerful. I'm reminded of the quote by Helen Keller. She could not see, but she was quoted saying this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. How many people today have two healthy eyeballs and they can see with physical sight, but they lack spiritual vision. They lack a dream. They lack direction. When it comes to this idea of vision, please understand, Vision, sometimes it can be kind of easy to get. It's the sense of expectation, but vision always demands execution. Just because you dreamed it doesn't mean that you will live it. Thomas Edison, the great inventor said, a vision without a plan is just a hallucination. Why? Because if you fail to plan, friend, you plan to fail. So when I get a vision, it's going to take work. Someone say work. It takes work. Uh, accomplishing the thing that God put in your heart. It takes work accomplishing your dreams. And when I think about the word vision, maybe you're taking notes today. I want you to write this down because this is sort of my working definition. This is what I teach to our staff, to our team. This is where I always begin. Vision, when frustration with what is, creates a passion for what could be. I use that word frustration because I think it's important. Sometimes people um, think that all frustration is bad. I don't, I don't think all frustration is bad. Sometimes I think you have divine frustration. There's a holy anger on the inside. There's an angst. As I look at my current circumstance, as I look at my present situation, as I look at the world that I'm in right now, I'm not satisfied. I'm not content with where it is. I'm content in Christ. But yo, I see more. I want more. I'm believing for more. I have vision for my kids, vision for my marriage, uh, vision for my work, vision for my life, vision for my health. Why? Because as I look at all those areas of my life, 
They're not all done being built. They're not all perfect. They're not all complete. There's areas of frustration that go, that's not right. I could be healthier. Um, I, I, could, I could see my kids grow if I would give them vision. And so many times it's like, yo, I don't know how to get a vision. I'm not good at dreaming. Um, I don't know how to see more than what I just see right now. I think that's not true. I think that you're frustrated about something. Let your frustration be the breeding ground or the birthplace of a holy vision. Sometimes I'll talk to like husbands like, bro, I'm not good at getting a vision for my marriage. Well, yeah, you are. What are you frustrated about right now with your spouse? I was talking to this guy one time. He's like, well, I I don't like sleeping on the couch. Oh, guess what? You just gave vision. You just gave an indication of a pain point of something that you don't like that's currently happening. You don't want to sleep on your couch. I don't think you should sleep on your couch. You don't want to sleep on the couch. Well, now you got to figure out what leads you to the couch. Now you got to start writing up how you guys debate, how you guys discuss. You got to start creating values in your home. Hey, we don't have a culture in our home that we sleep on the couch. That's all called casting vision. And what I'm talking about today isn't just practical for your work or for your life. It really is a biblical principle. I'm reminded of the story of the prophet Habakkuk. I want to draw your attention to it. Habakkuk chapter two, if you've got a Bible, maybe turn there. Habakkuk is an Old Testament prophet and his name actually means a wrestler. What I find fascinating is that the Hebrew word for prayer literally means to wrestle. So Habakkuk, the wrestler, or Habakkuk, the prayer, he's an Old Testament prophet and really the entire book begins with Habakkuk complaining to God. Yo, God, what I'm seeing right now is wrong. I'm seeing hell on earth. And what are you going to do about it? When are you going to bring about justice? He's not happy with the state of the world. And so what does he do? Well, let's look at it. Habakkuk chapter two, verse one. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he, God will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. The first thing that Habakkuk does in this text is the scripture says that he, he goes up to his watch post. He stations himself on the tower. The first thing when it comes to actually getting a dream from God or a vision from God is you have to climb the tower. Climb the tower. Climbing the tower involves you going up into a higher place. You entering into another dimension. Well, how do we go into another dimension? What are you talking about, Rich? Well, we do what Habakkuk did. We climb the tower, meaning we actually get into God's presence. That's what prayer does. Prayer brings us into the presence of God. God allows himself often to be overcome by the prayers of his people. And the book of Habakkuk is the prayer of someone wrestling with the hard questions of life. Why are such awful things happening in my world? But Habakkuk knew God would answer his prayers. And when we go to God in prayer, we start to get God's perspective. Look at what Isaiah chapter 55 says. Verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, when I go to God in prayer, when I climb the metaphorical tower, if you will, I'm getting into his presence. And it's in his presence that all of a sudden I get his perspective. 
It is the starting point of all God vision. If you want a God dream, you got to get into God's presence. Climbing the tower is where you start to get vision. Listen, sight is what you see when your eyes are open, but vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. Get your head off of what's going right down here and put your thoughts on things above. Think heaven's thoughts. Put your head, if you will, in the clouds. Climb the tower. For me, when I think about 90% of the creative projects that I've done, books that I've written, songs that I've written, events that I've put on, sermon creation, I would say 90% have come to me while I was aware of the presence of God through prayer or worship. When I go to God and pray, when I go to God and worship, it's not that he's any more there. It's just that I'm more aware that he's with me. And when I'm with him, that's when he begins to download things to me. That's when he starts speaking to me. That's when he starts helping me. That's when he starts giving me a vision of what could be, of what awaits me in the future. When I get that vision, that vision all of a sudden gives purpose to my pain. It calms me in the crisis. It all of a sudden helps to alleviate the frustration because now I have an idea of where we are headed. The Bible says that he climbs a tower. And today, you know, if you're in a state that you're frustrated with your reality, I would say climb the tower. Go to God in prayer. Open up your Bible. Put some worship music on. Because in his presence, you start to get his perspective and it's the starting point for a vision from God. Let, let's see what happens next because he climbs that tower and he waits for God to speak. And then watch this, Habakkuk chapter two, verse two. And the Lord answered me. Write the vision. Make it plain. I like that. Make it plain. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. I wonder, are you making the vision clear and writing it down? This is so, so simple, yet it gets missed by so many people. God told Habakkuk to make the vision plain. You got to actually write the thing down. I'm reminded of the apostle Paul as he wrote, he says, uh, you see how large a letter I've written unto you with my own hand. It's Galatians chapter six, verse 11. What was Paul doing? Paul was going, let me write these words as plain as I possibly can. Leaders, people, individuals, when you get vision from God, you actually have to take the time to write that thing down. Why do we have to make it plain? So we can run after we read it. Once you, once you write it down, now you've got some marching orders. Now you've got some direction. How many you know speed without direction is dangerous? I remember one summer I was on the lake with my little boy, Wild, who's four years of age, and he was sitting on my lap and he was holding the steering wheel, but he just kept steering, you know, and put us in circles. And it was scary to say the least. What was even scarier than his bad driving is that Wild kept saying, Dad, faster, faster faster. I started to laugh because I'm saying, yo, Wild, before I increase the speed, don't you think you should learn how to steer? So it is with all of us. So many of us, we want to go so fast, but we haven't even taken the time to make it plain what it is that we are running after. Man, your frustration, let it give way to you going into God's presence. God will speak to you. God will tell you something. God will give you a glimpse or a picture or an image of what could be. Then write that thing down. 
I've got notebooks and journals uh, full of things that God has spoken to me that have not yet come to pass, that are not yet a reality. I'm still in the dreaming stage, but I'm working towards those. See, when you know where you're going, you can go further, faster. The clearer the vision, the faster you can move. You ever been in that spot where it's like, I don't know what school to go to. So what do you do? You go slow. I don't know if I should take the job. So you go slow. I don't know uh, if this is the right guy to marry. So what do you do? You go slow. But man, when you're clear, you're confident. And when you're clear, you're secure. And when you're clear, what does God say? God says you can run after the thing that you've read. I want you to start running. I want you to pick up some speed. But you can't pick up speed if you don't take the time to detail, describe, plan out, write down what it is that you sense in your heart, what your what the eyes of your heart have sensed from God. You got to write that thing down. Number one, you got to climb a tower. Number two, you've got to write the vision. Number three, let's watch this. This is verse three, Habakkuk chapter two, verse three. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Listen, listen, the, the vision will tarry. It takes time. God told Habakkuk to write this so that God's people may learn to wait. 106 times the Bible says, wait for God. Listen, even if it takes longer than we want, the vision will happen. His promise is true. What I've learned about vision is vision rarely requires immediate action, but it always requires patience. And I wonder today, as you're listening to this or watching this, if you're honest, your problem might not be vision. It might be patience. You don't know how to wait on God. Do you strive in your own strength? And you got to learn how to rest in his. Wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40, what does it say? It says, those that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. As we learn to wait on God, we get stronger. God has perfect timing. Trust God's timing. Notice it says, if it seems slow. Yeah, it seems slow. I've met very few people who think that their dream came quickly. You've heard that term, oh, he's an overnight success. I've learned that most people that are overnight success, well, that was one long night. Because most of the time, it doesn't happen overnight. It usually happens over time. Trust God. Trust the process. Keep on waiting. Don't give up. If it seems slow, it will surely come. Wait for it. That is the command. So today, if you've got a reality that you've got a frustration, here's what you do. Number one, you climb the tower. Go to God, get in his presence. Number two, write it down. Be specific. Put timelines, put goals. Write everything as marching orders so that you can run towards it. But then lastly, like Habakkuk, you must wait on God. We all have to wait on God. Do you have a vision problem or do you have a patience problem? Something tells me, It's patience that we have to all learn. I've got to learn to trust God in his timing. God, he's faithful to his promise. He doesn't always give us the plan, but when we don't have a plan, we still have a promise. Trust in the promise of God. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I love you. I believe in you. And I believe that your dreams, well, 
they're going to become reality sooner than later. 